Welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nonsense. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy From Afar, and with me, as always, is my co-host, super producer, Ian Stimson. Ian, no check this week. The run of difficulties with scheduling continues, but how are you doing, my <laughs> friend? How was uh, the rest of your birthday week? Yeah, yeah, not too bad. Uh, so... We should say that it was also Chuck's birthday, and uh, he's barely been seen since. Uh, he, yeah. he was not sure concerned. he'd make it. <laughs> he was not sure he'd make it, so he, he said, uh, we'll bow out now. So, yeah, we decided to plough on ahead. Uh, but it sounds like Chuck's having the week off work. Uh, I don't know whether it's recovery or activities. But, uh, yeah, it's just us two. But, yeah, no, thanks for asking. My my birthday went along without hitch. It's, I don't know. It's, it weren't a big one, so you just feel like you just go on without celebrating too much you know i'm two years till 40 that'll probably be a big one. Oh, but, that's a big one coming up but tell yeah. the people about the fish you've been all excited about your fish i want to hear about it <laughs> i have been met with nothing but you fucking nerd <laughs> when i talk <laughs> at work with you know anyone else oh i've got an aquarium yeah i've actually well I've just... you'll get no judgments here sir this is a safe space i'm <laughs> yes. not one to call people nerdy so go ahead geek yeah. out tell thank me about god, the fish thank god this isn't going to literally hundreds of people um yeah, no, I just literally put the first fish in a couple of hours ago. So, yeah, Ooh. I set up an, a, an aquarium and uh, that's been my midlife crisis made incarnate. So, yeah. I but mean, then, it's better than a motorcycle, right? Yeah, less dangerous, certainly. Uh, what kind of fish? Puffer fish, piranha, something cool and excited goldfish? What no, do, you do you know what? This is the first time I've done it in like 20 years. So I've just gone proper basic and it's uh, I've just gone for some zebra danios and it's going to be a real, it's going to be like a kid's community tropical <laughs> aquarium. That's for a little while and then you'll like level up. Sling them all out and then stick some piranhas in, like you say. As long as you don't invite cats, uh, Chuck's cat over, I think you'll be safe and okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> He of the koi stealing. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. I want to make sure the lid is on tight. Well, do you want to hear a crazy story? Because I had the most exciting weekend for the dumbest, craziest reason, and I'm so excited. Yeah, go for it. All right, now bear in mind that I am a batshit crazy person, and I fully admit that going into this story, okay? That's your base level. Yeah, <laughs> That's my base level. Yeah, everybody knows this, but whatever. Let me paint a picture for you. The year is 2001. <laughs> My brother and I are watching Lord of the Rings for the first time. Neither of us had ever interacted with Tolkien on any level, just not something that we were, like, aware of growing up in the neighborhood we grew up in, etc. Falling in love with Middle Earth, you know, just, like, just, like, getting taken away and just this, like, magical afternoon. Mm. And the whole time we were there, there was someone in the theater. We didn't know who, but someone had, like, a particularly strong cologne or perfume or scent of some kind. Okay. And you know how, like, smells and memories just get, like, linked, like, really, really strongly sometimes? For that smell, we talked about it, like, on the way home because it was, like, just, like, so present the entire movie. Uh, And we – and I started calling it Gandalf um, just because, right? (laughs) And it was just this smell that, like, stayed with me. And, like, over (laughs) the years, for, like, 21 years now, I would just encounter it at random in the wild, just this, like, scent – yeah. That would just instantly trigger like visions of Rivendell and the Council of Elrond and like Gandalf and Moria, like just all these like amazing memories and like just this like wonderful feeling of like awe and like seeing this fantastical place for the first time, right? Yeah. Every girl I've ever dated will just be like out and I'll be like, I'll stop dead in my tracks and be like, hey, 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 this is Gandalf. This is Gandalf. Remember this smell. You have to help me find this smell. And do you know how fucking hard it is to like, go into a perfume store and be like, I need the perfume that smells like Gandalf. <laughs> yeah, that's um, irrelevant to everyone except you. <laughs> you know, there's like hundreds of bottles. Like, how are you going to describe it? smells like Fangorn Forest. I don't really know. I don't know how to explain this, right? <laughs> a couple of years ago, I found a candle that smelled just like it. Okay. And it was a vanilla soy candle. So I was like, okay, this is like the family of scents that I need to start following. Fine, fine, fine. Years, just like 21 years, just this magical smell in the wild <laughs> that just encounters me once in a while. I'm at work last Thursday, and I walk into like the the shared workroom, and boom, I'm in Rivendell. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I'm like you know, take the hobbits to more like just in fucking Middle Earth, like all over again. And so I stop, like stop in the middle of the room, and I'm like, this is gonna <laughs> this be is the craziest. Quest. This is your quest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the end of Absolutely. your quest. This is so I'm at work. These are my coworkers, and yeah, I yeah. stop and I'm like, okay, th- I'm gonna sound like a crazy person, but one of you smells like Gandalf, and I've been trying to find that smell for 20 years. <laughs> so is somebody wearing a new cologne or perfume? I need to know. Yeah. 
And they're like, I don't know. I, it, and, and everyone's like immediately like, what the fuck is with this guy? But also like, I don't know. Is it me? So they're like, is it, I got a new deodorant. I got a new this. So I'm just going around the room just like smelling <laughs> my people. coworkers. Just like, no, it's not you. No, it's not you. And boom, I get to the, this person the and fucking Gandalf. And it was this woman. She was like in her mid fifties, and apparently it's just this like amazing perfume. Um, let me pull up the description of it for you. Hold on, I have it saved somewhere. Um, and I'm like, "What's the name of this smell? Like, you need to tell me." Yeah, I just I don't you know I've been looking for it for years. I go to the perfume place at the mall. I buy it. I'm wearing it, man. I'm wearing fucking Gandalf. Here's the description: Since 1992, Angel Perfume has provided women with an intriguing fragrance that is filled with possibilities. Women. I love women's. Vanilla, sandalwood, and patchouli scent is mixed with a number of fruit fragrances to give you the right perfume for your next daytime adventure. Mm. It's the perfect fragrance to go with your favorite outfit, allowing you to smell and look fabulous for your upcoming day on the town. That's the description. Not quite how and I'm wearing it, man. I don't give a fuck about toxic masculinity. I smell amazing. I smell like Middle Earth. Every five seconds, I get a whiff of it just walking around, and I'm like... Ah, just like Galadriel comes to me in a vision. It's the fucking best week ever. I'm so happy for you. I was just sort of, yeah, envisioning sort of Gandalf by Hugo Boss. And uh, Sir Ian McKellen in the advert, he walks through a sort of cloud, a haze, just turns around. You shall not repel women. (laughs) 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 But no, it's a a woman's fragrance and you're all all over Angel. Angel. Which uh, Gandalf is technically an angel or a Maiar, so, uh, you know. I'm going to yeah. count that as a win. Oh, I'm really happy for you, mate. <laughs> Thanks. I genuinely like years and years and years yeah. in the making. Just like so excited. Unbelievable. I, I smelled a smell and then I found that smell. It took me 21 years, but like there was crazy. no There was no way you were going to find that other than that situation. You smell it from someone who you feel reasonably happy to, to smell them and ask them about it. So that was never going to happen any other way. I'm so, yeah, I'm so happy you managed to end your quest. Thank you, thank you. Well, that's our banter section done for the week. <laughs> bizarre one, bizarre one this week. Um, if you are joining us for the first time, thank you. We are very happy to have you. We are one American, one American, and normally two Brits, and we normally talk about the Premier League, but often get distracted, as you can already tell. Um, if you're coming back, thanks. We appreciate it. We love it. Give a five star review. Tell a friend. Patreon.com/slash MilesOffSidePod and all of that wonderful goodness. And we will kick things off, as we usually do around here with our famous segment, Rapid, Rapid, Rapid Fire News. Our top story this evening, AFCON 2021, Ivory Coast goalkeeping howler gift Sierra Leone late equalizer. We're starting with the big stories this week. Ian, did you see this ridiculous goalkeeper situation? I did. Yeah, this is is quite something. I mean, the ball's... Going out of play, and he wants to he wants to save the corner from happening. Not even close. It's like at the edge of the box, too, like all the way to the right. Nowhere near threatening a goal. Absolutely, yeah. And he sort of grabs the ball, and then he manages to put it down as if he's scoring a try uh, in rugby. Bear in mind, we're still <laughs> two or three yards away from the touchline, so he's still not in any danger of going out. And it, but it looks to me like he's trying to pop the ball up so as. He, so as to stop it going out for a corner, even though it's nowhere near. But it yeah. must have just been a fumble. He can't have actually meant to pop it up like that. <laughs> the opposing striker just nicks the ball. They still nearly managed to not score, which is... I know, because he was on the ground too. Like, the striker was like tripping over himself just to try to make contact. But my God, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, fun times at the AFCON. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't seen this video, look it up. Or even just the still mi- image of the goalkeeper, like scorpion kick, head, you know, feet by his head upside down. Looking at the ball slowly trickle away as it popped out from under him. Just fucking amazing. No reason whatsoever to be going to like (laughs) catch that or just like just fucking leave it alone. There was no threat whatsoever. He basically rolled it to the – oh my god. It was so good. That did cost them um, after – that was an injury time equalizer for a 2-2 draw. Oh no. Oh, the context makes it even worse. I know. horrendous. Speaking of AFCON, let's stay there to our next story. Pair Emmerich Aubameyang will return to Arsenal for further medical checks after leaving the tournament. He's been released from AFCON, the Gabon squad, and will return to Arsenal because of his ongoing health issues. Uh, he missed the draw with Ghana on Friday after scans revealed heart lesions following a bout of COVID. Uh, he tested positive on January 6th, and he will undergo further medical checks upon his return to 
London. We wish nothing but the best to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. We make a lot of fun of him on this show. Um, but, you know, you never want health situations with anyone. Heart stuff is very scary. Uh, we've seen issues in recent years with players having heart stuff. Obviously, it cost Sergio Aguero his an early retirement, let's say. So all the best to Aubameyang. Uh, scary how fucking COVID, man. Even these, like, crazy in shape, like, you know, 32-year-old athlete. He's younger than I am and yeah, crazy shape and, you know. 100%. And and you get the sort of anti-vax brigade saying that uh, the heart issues are, are a problem with the vaccine and there is minor, virtually inconsequential uh, risk of, of heart issues with, with the vaccine. If you know about the side effect, potential side effects, you should be on top of that. But the possibility of having heart problems, uh, complications related to actually having COVID is way higher and it's it yeah it's mad how, how sort of often uh, you're seeing this happen but i mean luckily with uh, someone like Aubameyang he's obviously screened for things all the time uh, so you know at least they've caught this and apparent apparently um this isn't likely to be something permanent because it's covid related it's not likely to be something permanent but uh yeah i mean just it, it, it's not the crux of this story but for me it's just another sort of like get the vaccine you know yeah well yeah obviously do get your shots do get your booster if you can all of those things we do strongly encourage everybody to stay safe out there wear your masks all the things if you're an anti-vaxxer just go ahead and turn off the pod yep off you go yeah but yeah i mean it's scary man people take for granted everyone's like oh he'll be out you know you see fantasy websites and you're like oh he'll be out for 10 days with covid like whatever just wait for him to get back get a negative result and be right back on the pitch and you every so often you'll see these players that are like really seriously affected and then you remember like oh that's right this thing is fucking scary for like everyone including soccer players and like yeah madness madness um so hopefully he's okay he kind of had one foot out the door at arsenal anyway but you never want medical stuff to be the reason for any sort of departure like that speaking of heart stuff actually and scary soccer player heart stuff that has happened on the pitch our next story brentford that's right the mighty mighty brentford have spoken to Christian Eriksen about the possibility of signing and returning to the Premier League. Uh, Eriksen had his contract cancelled by Inter Milan last month after being told he could not play in Serie A with a implanted cardioverter defibrillator, or ICD, which is a type of pacemaker. No such regulation exists in the Premier League, and it's understood that a number of clubs are keen to sign him. However, there is no agreement yet. Brentford would hope to have an advantage through their manager and fellow Dane Thomas Frank, the Bees are currently 14th in what is their first top flight campaign since 46-47, uh, and Ericsson famously had to have the pacemaker put in after a cardiac arrest at the Euros last June. Uh, you love to see an amazing player coming back from a situation like that. Hopefully he is safe. And the big and sort of part of this is craziness is that it's fucking Brentford, which is incredible. I think it'd fit in really well there. I mean, it's a, it's a, it would be a hell of a sign-in for them. Obviously, you might get bigger clubs you know, stalling on it because they would be not sure of the health issues. You know, he's obviously not played in a while, but he's got motivation. He said that his goal is to, uh, you know, be back back up to fitness and everything in time to play uh, the World Cup in Qatar. So he's got motivation. Uh, a club like Brentford's definitely got motivation. They will they will really want that player and, and will maybe look to build the team around him if he, if he gets back up to speed quickly. Um, as much as a team like Brentford do, because they're, they're they're very you know they've got their systems in place that they're happy with. But I think a, a player like Ericsson could be incredible for them, and so like it, it works for both parties. So I'd I'd be quite interested to see uh, how that would fit. I'd I'd like to see that. Yeah, I mean that's your classic like money ball signing. Just identify a player that's going to be undervalued by the market for some external reason. If he's healthy, if the doctors are saying he's safe to play, if he's passed all these medical checks and everything, like there's no reason. To think that he isn't still most of the Christian Eriksen of old. I mean, he's only 29. He's not even 30 yet. So he's still in his prime. You know what I mean? Like, he's an, he's an elite level player. I mean, he's not, I don't think he's going to come in and be the best playmaker in the league anymore, but he was at one point and he was good at Inter and he's just like a really good fucking player. So for Brentford to potentially land that would be huge, huge. And just evidence of their analytics um, yeah. department doing its job. Absolutely. So we love to see analytics doing good things. Speaking of good things, <laughs> kind of messed up, uh, Rafa Benitez has been <laughs> sacked. Uh, he says he did not realize the magnitude of the task at Everton following a sacking on Sunday after less than seven months in charge. The Toffees appointed the former Liverpool manager, 61, as Carlo Ancelotti's... Oh my God, they had Carlo before Rafa. What a crazy time. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Successor in June, Everton have won only one of their last 13 games and are 16th in the table, only six points above relegation. 
quote, we knew it wouldn't be easy. It was a big challenge, both emotionally and in terms of sport. My love for this city, for Merseyside and its people made me accept this challenge. But it is only when you are inside that you realize the magnitude of the task, etc. There's a lot more quotes. <laughs> um, basically, you just talk shit about Everton and how they have no, no money and no players and all that stuff. Rafa out, baby. I love it. I despise him. I hate him as a as a like tact on like a tactics level. I think he's boring. I think he's bad. Yeah, yeah. I think he's overrated. Obviously, I hate him from his famous famous Liverpool days and all the battles with Chelsea in the in the mid two thousands. I also despise him for his half half season, full season at Chelsea, which was a fucking nightmare. Oh my god! They fired Di Matteo and then they hired like the manager we hated the most. It was that was a brutal year. Brutal. It was on Thanksgiving too. I was in a bad mood all Thanksgiving that year. Anyway, fuck Rafa. Rafa out. <laughs> Do you have any takes on this? Should have stayed at Newcastle. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it just seems like Everton have got a problem from the top down uh, rather than just just Rafa. I mean, as you say, it was a, we. Everyone thought it was a strange choice. Because of how how Rafa likes to play football, and the the thought is, I guess that you bring Rafa in, you bring in a bit of stability, but it's just, it's just not worked out. And the, the the fans didn't like him from the start because obviously it's past, and it's just it seems like it might be classic. Uh, you lose you lose to Norwich. That's just no, you can't do that. You're out. That's auto relegation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't lose to Norwich. And it's it's the manner of how they've been playing recently. It's just been terrible. And he, he might feel I've done to, you know, DCL's been out most of the season and he looked like he was going to be Everton's linchpin. But this owner, uh, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know where Everton... Well, they're looking at um, Martinez again, apparently. Uh, they're they're, oh, they're in, talks, in talks with him. But, I mean, the... The Belgian FA don't necessarily want to let him go. They, they're definitely not happy about any sort of like, you know, part-time, you know, uh, doing doing club and country. Um, right. And they, they want him for the World Cup. And he probably wants to manage in in the World Cup, you know. So I don't know where that's going to go. Obviously, by the time we release this, it might be it might be sorted. But I doubt it. I feel like Everton will just stick with Duncan Ferguson probably for, <laughs> for ages and ages and ages. And just, I, I don't know, it's, you know, maybe Big Dunk will sort them out for a little while. They are exceptionally poorly run, man. Like, yeah. they just a week ago sold Luca Dean to keep Rafa happy because he was beefing with Rafa. Knowing, and then, yeah. like, a week later, fire Rafa when, like, clearly Luca Dean is the better of the two options there anyway. They should have sided yeah. with him. I mean, one place. of one of their best players when when he when he's on you know he's not getting sent off and I say that from someone who's owned him in FPL for pretty much all of his red cards I'm sure, um, but like yeah it's it does seem bizarre because as you say it was the it was clashing with Rafa well you know you, if he was one game away from getting the sack you don't get rid of your, oh yeah one of your best players just very odd there I mean they've spent half a billion pounds in the last. Christ knows how many years, and the squad doesn't look any better than it did 10, 15 years ago. You know, it's just yeah. same old Everton, worse Everton, and it's just, it's got to be pretty depressing to be an Everton fan at the minute. I saw a tweet that was like, um, if you had told me in 2015 that the club my team would most be like in the summer, in the winter of 2022 was Barcelona, I would have bitten your hand off. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out that's not good for either Barcelona or Everton. Yeah. Which yeah. is fucking hilarious. <laughs> All right. Well, one more news story and then we'll get to the fixtures. This one would have been one of the fixtures, so it's kind of related to a good transition. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur say that they are extremely surprised at the decision to call off Sunday's <laughs> Premier League derby at home to Arsenal. Uh, Spurs believe that there are now unintended consequences of the rule that says clubs can apply for postponements if COVID-19 is a factor having fewer than 13 players and a keeper available. Quote, we are extremely surprised that this application has been improved. The original has been approved. The original intention of the guidance was to deal with player availability directly effect, affected by COVID cases, resulting in depleted squads that when taken together with injuries would result in the club being unable to field a team. We do not believe it was the intent to deal with player availability unrelated to COVID. We now be seeing we may now be seeing the unintended consequences of this rule. It is important to have clarity and consistency on the application of the rule. I know Chuck was particularly incensed um, as someone whose club has also had a request denied when we had quite a few active COVID cases and then seeing Arsenal get theirs approved in this scenario, this specific scenario. Uh, I also am quite frustrated at it. Um, but do you have any takes as a non-Premier League person? What do you think of this whole situation? Is just much ado about nothing or what? what's the deal here? Uh, I don't think it's much ado about nothing. I think that 
because I've seen a lot of uh, you know Twitter anger at Arsenal being able to um, get this match postponed, and a lot of then you know Arsenal fans giving flat back about what about this club, what about this club, what about this club, which is fair enough. The problem with this uh, is the Premier League rule about this number of players can play. That means you go ahead with the match. Well, I feel like that's the wrong way round to do it. So for the avoidance of doubt, I don't think Arsenal have done anything wrong here. There is a rule okay. in place and they have done, you know, they haven't been able to get 13 players. Now, you you know, you can say, well, they've sent two players out on loan last week. And they have a youth academy. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I totally understand that. But what I'm saying is Arsenal haven't, uh, only using the rule they've been given to their advantage. And the rule is the thing that's wrong. Because basically Arsenal have got one COVID case. Now, they, they by the time the game got postponed, it's actually gone up to two COVID cases. But what's if it hadn't have been for that one COVID case, Arsenal wouldn't have been able to pos- ask for the match to be postponed. Right. So, so it, it's just mad that if that one player hadn't tested positive, well, they'd have had to run a team out. So right. it's the rule that's wrong. What we need to do, there needs to be a rule about percentage of your first team that's out with COVID or, or a hard number of your team that's out with COVID. And then then it's fine because, yes, this very much looks like Arsenal said, well, we can't play a strong team in the North London derby. Let's get this postponed. And that's absolutely what they've done. But I have no problem with Arsenal doing that because they're looking after number one. They've got they've got to do that. They're they're just using the rules to their advantage, but the rule is is terrible. <laughs> and and it it was I don't feel like we talked about this before. I don't feel like that was the rule to start with. It felt like it was just case by case, by right. case. You know, Man United. No one actually knew how many players were available for Man United because none of that was in the public domain. It was right, just right, right. the Premier League. Look at that. Uh, yeah, we'll call that one off. Other teams ask for it to be called off, like Chelsea, uh, Palace, who, whoever. No, not you. And, you know, that was bad. Then they came out with this uh, a transparent rule. At least we all know it. But now, because we all know it, teams like Arsenal with one COVID case, they can use it. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. the rule's fault. It's, I've always thought it should be about either a percentage or a number of positive COVID cases. And not isolation. If you're unvaccinated, that's up to you. There are consequences to your decisions. Go back to being vaccinated again. But Yeah, get deported. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Djokovic, you prick. <laughs> yeah, I have enjoyed that one. I have enjoyed that one. Um, yeah, poor me, poor me. There's one way you could have got around this, Novak. If only my actions didn't have consequences. <laughs> so annoying. Um, but yeah, I... I don't blame Arsenal for this, but it does feel like uh, the culmination of bad Premier League management here. And I, you know, what do you expect? I mean, hopefully things are on the on the way down. Now cases seem to be on the way down. So let's hope we won't put up with this. But there's there's still so many games to make up. Burnley Watford looks like it's in doubt now. Again, uh, listeners will already know whether this is gone. But Burnley have asked for that to be postponed. Burnley, mm. who have played only seventeen games, I think. I mean, when are they going to finish the first half of the season? February. Yeah, that's crazy. No, <laughs> you know. I'm looking at the FB Ref rundown, and the next three days of fixtures are because it has the game week labeled all the way on the side. It's a game week 17 match, followed by a game week 24 match, which isn't for another three weeks, followed by a game week 17, two game week 17 matches, Brilliant. and then a game week, and then game week 23 starts. So it's like, yeah, what? Chelsea are getting game week 24 a couple of weeks early because I think probably the World Club World, Club Cup, World Cup or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something that definitely needs to go ahead and you definitely want to play. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm fully with you. Um, I know I literally was just complaining that the... Chelsea game didn't get called off when the Arsenal one did. I just want to be clear. I'm not crying that the Chelsea game didn't get called off. I'm annoyed that the application of this rule has been so spotty and inconsistent. That's the thing that's frustrating there. And I don't begrudge Arsenal asking for a postponement even a little bit. Of course they did. Why wouldn't they? They'd be stupid not to. Like, yeah, exactly. But I'm with you. It's the stupid rule. It should just be like five positive cases. Boom. And it should be specifically players, not backroom staff. Also, I think. I mean, I guess you never know because then if it's at backroom staff, it's going to be spreading to players and stuff. Maybe it's just a number of positive cases. I don't know exactly, but it's not this. This isn't the, the way to do it. I'll tell you that. Um, shall we get to the fixtures then? Yeah, why not? Why not? All right. Well, we'll kick things off with the beginning of Game Week 22. That was Friday, January 14th at 20 o'clock, 15 o'clock. Uh, 
12 o'clock West Coast time. Sure, sure, sure. Brighton one, Crystal Palace one. Mr. Simpson, please cue the jingle. Oh, we're going early. Oh, they're better than they ought to be. Burnley of the week. Yes, that's right, because while they got a 1-1 draw at Brighton, Palace put up 0.3 XG to Brighton's 2.1. So a fully welly, welly? Nope. A fully and well truly deserved, I can't do words, man. Words are tough. I'll tell you <laughs> they that. Are, they are tricky. Um, not a deserved draw. A, a shithouse result. I got Chuck's comments here because obviously he's not on this week. He said, make sure you mention that the goal Palace scored is probably the greatest team goal in our history and that Brighton <laughs> haven't beaten us in three years because they're shit. <laughs> that's it. That's his thoughts on the balance. I, uh, I don't think that's a bad summation because uh, let's take his, uh, his, his latter point first. Um, Brighton, you know, don't just do this against Palace. They do this against everybody. That's why they do very, very well on XG, but they are, are very poor at finishing. And uh, Sky put up a graphic uh, after the game that was just, I mean, it's a very small sample size, but it was Brighton Palace last two games at uh, at the Amex. So the last two Brighton okay. uh, Palace games where Brighton were at home. And two games, Palace uh, on aggregate have won that 3-2. But Brighton have got 4.74 expected goals over their, those two games, and Crystal mm-hmm. Palace have got 0.7. Ooh. <laughs> 44 attempts from Brighton, 6 from Palace. Ooh. I mean, this includes that game that was, um, you know, last season, if you remember, where Brighton, you know, absolutely hammered the Palace goal, and then Palace <laughs> managed to sneak, you know, I can't remember whether it was a draw or a victory in the end, and, and Chuck will be shouting at me, I'm sure. But... Um, it was crazy, and the, these these numbers are sort of skewed by that crazy game. But it's 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 Brighton incarnate. That is, they they. I've said it before about a couple of their players, um, Morpay um, and Lalana, about their decision making, which is absolutely terrible. They yeah, maybe he deserves less pay. <laughs> he consistently makes the wrong decision, but so do so do a lot of them. The um, the penalty, uh, Gross's penalty. Terrible. Looks like he had no idea whether he was drilling that down the middle, dinking it over the top, and it looked like at the last minute he thought, "Oh no, I need to place it." No, you didn't. You you didn't. You just no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was terrible. Um, he could have had a ten-hour run-up, and he still wouldn't have made up his mind by the time he got there. <laughs> yeah, and I don't, I don't understand that. You, especially in a, a derby or a rivalry game, you need to make a decision. Not a derby. And, Not a derby. Well, that's why I said all rivalry. Not a derby. Immediately, I heard Chuck. Yeah. I'm just echoing Chuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not a derby. <laughs> So a rival, big rivalry game, uh, Friday night. You, if you're taking a penalty, you make a decision and you put your foot through it, and you just don't fuck around. It was a terrible penalty. Um, Brighton did control the game in midfield, but yeah, Chuck will will want us to talk about that that team goal, which was brilliant. It was. It was. Was it 21 passes in the build up? 22 passes, it? something like that. Yeah, and every Palace player touched the ball. Right. They went forward. They went left. They went right. They went back. It started at the keeper. I'm pretty sure I'm not making any of these things up, but it could be, but whatever, Chuck's not here to correct me. But it's I think right. it was 21... Pa- it like hearing yeah, that. I'm pretty sure fun. it was 21 passes in the whole team, so... Right. I mean, yeah, it was a, it was a real crisp, nice build-up, and then and then Conor Gallagher's goal was was excellent. Um, he did a great post-match interview with uh, Neville and Carragher afterwards as well, where he, he seems like such a nice lad, but he was just like, yeah, the geese was on the line and I had to put it in the only place I could. <laughs> I was just happy to make good contact. <laughs> it was like... Yeah, it's a shame actually because obviously uh, Crystal Palace had come to another late, uh, late goal, which I felt for Anderson because uh, obviously it was an own goal, and but there was nothing he could do. He could not let that ball go. There's no way you can let that ball go into the six yard box. You know, if it if it had stepped over it or whatever, then it it almost definitely would have been a Brighton goal anyway, and he would have been lambasted. It was just really unlucky that he got a touch. Butland, you know, it was it was too close to it and couldn't couldn't react quick enough. Went through his legs, um, and it was a real shame because I think Butland as well did really well. It's it's really uh, it's really good for Palace that they've got a, a backup keeper of his quality. I think because I've always liked Butland. I think he's decent, and he again he did a, a post match interview where he said, you know, chances have been few and far between, but I've just got to always make sure I'm ready. You know, and he he did really well because it wasn't just Brighton. Uh, fluffing their lines it was Butland keeping them in it as well early on again decision making Trossard 
just he, he had a lot of the goal to aim at. Butland came out quick and tried to narrow the angle, but he, he ended up doing a good, you know, pulling off a good save and, and and kept Palace in it. So I think it's if you look at the stats on on their own, you know, shots and stuff. Because I think uh, what was it? Uh, yeah, attempts Brighton fifteen, Palace two. You know, Brighton nine corners, Palace zero. Then yeah, you can you can worry about that, but ultimately the results what matters, and that is always the problem with Brighton. And I think Palace can be relatively happy with a draw here. Yeah, I mean the the manner of the draw, you know, one of those draw that feels like a loss yeah. type thing. Yeah. But then you look at the XG and you think about the balance of play, and you're like, kind of, if anything, kind of lucky to get the draw there. You know, as uh, hesitant as I am to say that out loud, it's only because Chuck's not here. <laughs> um, but this does, like, in terms of the big picture, put them pretty much exactly dead even on XG and XA. It's incredible. Their expected goal difference per 90 for Palace is exactly even, 0.00, down to two decimal places. Wow. Brighton, negative 0.01. So also, you know, one one-hundredth of a expected goal from dead even. Um, 23.7 generated to 23.8. Allowed from Brighton, 25.3 to 25.4 generated and allowed with one more match. Um, it, they're, so they're so even in terms of the underlying numbers. Yeah. Which when you compare that to last season is incredible because Brighton were like yeah. really good last season by underlying numbers and Palace were Palace. Um, so I think a draw is like a fair result on the big picture. Um, and that goal was quite nice. That goal was quite nice. Should have been worth two, I think. So, um, I mean, obviously, I'm a little bit of a layman where the maths and stats con- is concerned. So it, when you're looking at XG, uh, what was it, differential per 90, with it being yeah. zero, are we? is that essentially sort of saying their league position, their real-life league position is a true, you know, a true reflection of, of how they've played this season? No, not at all. That's that's right. different from expected points. Oh, okay. Um, and okay. even then, like, expected goal difference is just, like, how many expected goals have they given up? It's, you know, it's goal difference, but with expected. I see, yeah. Um, and it's it actually is the best predictor of table position is expected goal difference per 90. You know, when I say expected goals is a better predictor than anything, I mean like expected goals and expected goals allowed kind of taken all together, right? Um, there's only six teams, seven teams with a positive expected goal difference. Six teams with positive. Palace are neutral. Brighton are barely negative, And then the rest are like 0.13 or lower per 90. Um, so the Palace are in, you know, they're one of only seven teams with a non-negative expected goal difference for 90. Like, that's that's very good. The only teams above them are Arsenal, West Ham, Tottenham, Chelsea, Liverpool, and City. So really, really close between the two this year, uh, Brighton and Palace, which is which is interesting because we haven't seen that in a long time. Honestly, Palace have just been worse yeah. for years now, um, despite the fact that, obviously, Brighton haven't beaten them in, like, 1,552 <laughs> days. So there's that Twitter account that's, like, yeah. 1,033 days since than Brighton beat Palace or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I think you know Brighton fans will consistently uh you know talk to you about XG, but you you need to put the goals away and you need to you need to finish finish games off and they they do seem incapable. I think you know to step up to that sort of next level. I mean, I don't think we worry about Brighton being relegated when it comes to the start of a season anymore, but if they want to avoid that mid-table thing every single season, are, you know, they need to maybe put their hand in their pocket for a, a, a decent striker, you know, so, someone with some better instincts and more pay and the like of him. And, you know, when you look to the future, you know, I like Graham Potter and I think that I think that he's good. But, I mean, I, I think unless he gets seriously backed, he could get poached by someone else. And then you've got Palace who have got a, a new exciting manager, played named six players who were 23 or, or younger in the starting lineup for this game in a in a rivalry game not a derby game a rivalry game naming over over half of your players being 23 or younger i mean that's it's crazy it's yeah. crazy stuff Vieira's doing such an incredible job i mean we've talked it to death at this point um i wouldn't be surprised if someone comes in for him next year i hope Palace can hold on to him for chuck's sake more than anything yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but you know he is an arsenal legend he did previously work as part of the man city system i don't think that you know, Pep is going anywhere, but maybe as an assistant manager or something like that. I don't know. We'll see what happens next year. But for now, he's doing an amazing job with young players, really bringing them through, really and showing showing them the way and all that. Yeah. Um, from one mop team to another, let's move on to Saturday, January fifteenth. This was the early game, seven thirty a.m. East Coast time. Manchester City one, Chelsea zero. Manchester City zero point seven to Chelsea zero point five. Pretty much dead even. 
only 0.2 XG between them. Um, 1-0 City obviously putting their chance away. Chelsea not putting their chances away, as is their one. But for the most part, it was just a boring match between these two teams. These teams continue to be very even. Uh, last season, obviously, we had the better of them in the Champions League final and in a bunch of fixtures leading up to it. They are the better team, but it seems like Tuchel and Pep just kind of like get too caught up with each other and forget about everyone else in the world, basically. Um, you know, star-crossed lovers or something. I don't know. The point <laughs> seven to point five feels right. It was a pretty, pretty boring match. Um, the Chelsea, I'll take the Chelsea perspective of it. You, you can talk up City and, you know, how amazing they continue to be and all that stuff. Um, I'm running out of Chelsea sort of takes at this point because, like, there's just, we're, we're in this, like, dead zone of nothing. Like, we're not going to drop out of the top four. I think we're, like, 95% for top four on 538, yeah. something like that. We're also not going to catch. I think this result put us less than 1% for the title. We're 13 points behind City. Like, yeah. there's just no way that that ever gets made up. And Liverpool have finally passed us after their result. Um, so they're two ahead of us. And it, 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 Chelsea are just in this like weird spot um, where I guess I have to decide like what it is that I care about for the rest of the season because it's not going to – I mean, obviously, the Champions League is still in play. The FA Cup is still in play, so that's always nice. The Champions League would be amazing, but you never assume you're going to do well in the Champions League. There's so much variance in that competition. The best team doesn't always win. I mean, obviously, we I would argue that we weren't the best team until the knockout rounds last year. We were the best team in the competition – for the second half of it, but, you know, City are still a better team than us. So, like, mm. I guess my only take really is that Lukaku continues to, one, be misused by Tuchel. I think that is definitely true. But, two, also just not linking up and not having any sort of understanding with his teammates either. So I think they're both failing at this point. Um, but either way, Lukaku just, like, looks so lost, looks so out of place. He's, yeah. He scored a few goals recently, but, like, Tuchel came out afterwards and basically just, like, Yes. Reamed the front three and was like, we couldn't do anything because the front three couldn't keep the ball and they couldn't make chances and they couldn't play with each other and couldn't do shit, which wasn't wrong. And I, I don't know, man. Chelsea look better than everyone except Liverpool and City, and that's just kind of the truth of it right now. And our results haven't been great lately, but our, you know, we just are who we are, I guess. I don't know. So to go back on something you said there, I just want to want to drill down a little bit. So what do you think Tuchel's role in uh, Lukaku not playing great at the minute is um i think the way he's using him in the system specifically emphasizing so much of his back to goal play using him as a bit of a a one-two to put in you know the faster speedy smaller guys on the outside um as opposed to splitting almost the build-up between that and more through balls that lukaku can run onto or over the top balls that lukaku can run onto. we were playing those a lot with timo last year um, and Lukaku is just as fast. I think people forget that because he's so large. Yeah. <laughs> he's such a, such a giant human being. Yeah. Um, and he, he lumbers. He like, he like hunches forward when he walks, when he runs. He very, he like towers over people. So when he's running, he looks not agile and not fast, <laughs> but he is. He's crazy fast. He can shrug off defenders like nothing also, which helps. So I think playing some through balls to him wouldn't be bad. And it's not like we're not capable of that. We had a system that relied on that a significant portion of the time last year. But I also think, like I said, even when they do try to play that sort of stuff, he just, he's never in the right place to receive a pass or make a pass. Like he's choosing, he's making bad decisions and he's in bad places consistently. And, and Tuchel's a better manager than to misuse Lukaku like that. He's just being stubborn or some shit. I don't really know, Mm. but also he's a better manager so that I know that like, there's also something going wrong on Lukaku's end because Tuchel isn't this bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. well, we know that must must be true based on the interview. Everything the else he's ever done. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I know you said about me, me taking City, you taking Chelsea, but I almost don't want to take City because I think we're going to be we're going to now have months of. Well, City were incredibly well. They weren't in this game incredibly dominant, but you know, City are dominating, and it's uh, the the long walk towards them just cane in the league. So. Um, I think there's maybe another conversation to be had. This is maybe a side note, but like maybe when Chuck's back, we could have a chat about whether it's a bad thing that City have seemed to be walking the the you know whether the Premier League need to worry about the City's dominance. But I think really the, the the only story here was was Chelsea in the final third or, or, or Man City's half because the the transition to the final third and then the, the Chelsea in the final third was really quite poor. 
and, and, and really disappointing from a team who, you know, when the season uh, was getting started, we were so hyped on, like, you know, we were like, this is going to be big, a big, a big season for Chelsea. And it's, it's not come to fruition. It was like every time Lukaku sort of stepped back and expected it to be pulled back to him, the ball was launched forward and he wasn't running. A lot of the play when it should have been going forward was being cut back. It was. I, f- I thought it was quite negative in the in the transition from midfield to the the final third. There was a lot of sideways and backwards balls, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't helping. You know, you, you, I thought your defence was pushing up quite well, but then it was just stalling in in midfield and in that transition in between midfield and the final third. And it's it's hard to know why a manager like Tuchel can't sort of get that locked in, you know, because Ziyech and Lukaku just didn't seem to be on the same on the same. No, and Ziyech is just not it. Like, yeah. sorry, dude. It's just not. I don't know. He was amazing at Ajax. He just never really fit with the rest. Of, we bought a ton of players. But that that's summer. bizarre, isn't it? Because you've got Ziyech. You, I, I really like him. I think he's a great player. Lukaku is obviously a brilliant player. And it's just yeah. not clicking. And I don't know where, you know, maybe it's not coachable. Maybe some some players just don't, not get on, but just don't don't click on the football field. And it just, it, I, I thought it was really quite disappointing because when you think about Man City and how they are at the minute, and I think of the only two teams that I would think attacking-wise, because basically I was, I was fairly certain that both teams would score in this match because I think that mm. the only teams who can score... Who are, oh, I would be happy to put a bet on scoring against City are Chelsea and Liverpool. They're the only teams who I think have enough uh, enough about them um, yeah. to to be relatively confident that they might expose a, a John Stones error or whatever. You know, or we have had the better of them a bunch too in recent yeah, times. Yeah, absolutely. Chelsea have been a little bit of a bogey team for for Man City, so. It was, yeah, it was just a bit disappointing. And I mean, it's, it's definitely, as we, uh, I think you've called it a lot earlier, but it's definitely the end of Chelsea's title title push. Um, and more than likely the end of uh, any any title race at all. I mean, it's I don't know what the numbers are exactly, but um, Liverpool, even if they win their game in hand, would still be eight points away. You would need the form to completely flip between Man City and Liverpool for it to be even close to a title race and I just can't can't see that happening so it's it's a little bit disappointing at the top of the table all round the only thing we're going to be looking at now is fourth place yeah and it, it is going to be an interesting race for fourth yeah. um, <laughs> which we can get to but to just throw the numbers out since you brought them up Man City are at 87% right. for the league Liverpool with the measly 12% and Chelsea less than one so they don't even register so what's uh, what's the plan for the rest of the season I mean, do you, do you prioritize the Champions League? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I would assume so. And to try to build towards next year again, which is what last season was kind of about, which is so frustrating because we have all these amazing players, but like, yeah, we also just continue to live in the era of COVID. So like, yeah. it's really hard to build things. I don't know. Pep is doing it. Tuchel kind of did it. I don't. I I have. I'm having a really hard time reacting to this Chelsea team right now. I think that we have a lot of very talented players. I wouldn't necessarily say that any of them are not coachable, um, but you know, it's not career mode. You have to have players and a system that all like work together. With Ziyech, I think like he reminds me of um, in the summer of 2012, we won the Champions League, and that gave us a lot of juice to sign some players. Um, specifically, Eden Hazard had been flirting with a lot of different teams that summer he was like a big name that real madrid were in for him psg were in for him like a lot of people were were sniffing around Mm. um and we had signed a bunch of players that were of a similar mold just like obviously worse and then we won the champions league and he decided to come to chelsea and one of the casualties of that was marco marin who was like really good for up to a point um, and for where Chelsea were at in 2011 with like the fading Drogba, Terry, Lampard squad, like those few last few seasons, especially from 2000 after the 2010 season were a bit shaky. And yep. when I say a bit, I mean pretty shaky. And Ziyech just kind of reminds me of Marin in that he was a great signing for a certain level of Chelsea team. And then we went out and got Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, Romelu Lukaku. And you're like, oh, okay, well, we got more talent for a newer team that we're trying to build clearly we've raised our underlying level 
and you're just an Ajax player who was really good on Ajax and probably would be really good in a lot of other players, but just aren't, like isn't, for one reason or another, the right match for Chelsea. I don't know, man. Yeah. It's a bummer. It's just sad. I'm sad we lost, but like, not for title race reasons. I just like winning games yeah. and scoring goals, and they looked very toothless. All right, well, let's move on then to uh, our next match in the rundown here. And that is Newcastle 1, Watford 1, 1.4 to 1.5 on XG. So a 1-1 draw pretty much exactly. Uh, both of these teams suck. I didn't watch this. Did you watch this? I have no opinions. Newcastle continue to suck. Like, I, did, I did not watch it other than I was happy to see a, a late Watford a late Watford goal to just, you know, just compound Newcastle's like, fury. I don't think that... Uh, Trippier and Wood are the signings. Are they good signings? Well, no, Trippier is a good signing. I'm not sure about Wood, but like, are these the next level signings that are going to save them from relegation? Not if Watford can score against you. Uh, and yeah, so they're still still low. And I think I had a look at five thirty eight earlier, and they're still what seventy something percent. I mean, it's the more games that run out, the the more Newcastle are going to be uh, certain for yep. relegation. Seventy nine percent right now. Seventy nine. Norwich are only one point away from uh, being safe. Goodness, how did that happen? (laughs) How did it happen? Oh, my God. Well, it happened with this next result. Uh, (laughs) Norwich 2, Everton 1, Norwich 0.6 to 0.8 on XG. That was almost the Burnley of the week because they more than tripled their (laughs) XG. But, you know, Palace putting one over on Brighton. We got to give the award there Um, because that's fun. Anytime Palace can just Burnley the shit out of a Brighton team, that adds to the enjoyment. Um I don't know, Everton, man. I mean, we talked about Rafa earlier, but fucking A, man. Everton lost to Norwich. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah. Uh, Michael Keane own goal because uh, obviously I got him in on FPL the week before for a hit because he had a double. Uh, obviously, that double didn't happen because an Everton game got called off and then he gets an own goal in the next match. So I am net, what, five points down on that transfer? That's a fucking shocker. Michael Keane's got to go. Anyway. Uh, Condolences. Yeah. Uh, my fun Everton fact, because I don't have any ticks on this game because I didn't watch it, obviously, um, <laughs> is that there have only been two teams outside of the big six to finish in the top four in the last 20 years, 18 years, something like that. And those teams are Leicester when they won the title and Everton getting fourth <laughs> once in the mid-2000s. Oh, God, when you hear about that, that, le- that lens fuel to the fire about the like, Premier League do they need to sort something out about team dominance because yeah that's uh, yeah that's really anti-competition isn't it I like it yeah I, know, um, I knew you would because <laughs> I'm the six so uh, Wolves 3 Southampton 1 Wolves 2.2 to Southampton's 1.0 um, we got goals from Connor Cody and Adama Traore that's the only reason I want to bring this up Uh, oh and Jimenez Jimenez scored a penalty there we go indeed possibly Traore's uh, farewell to the fans there if uh, he does end up going to Tottenham who knows he is so beefy (laughs) so beefy so beefy beefy. weird little glove celebration as well took off his black gloves to reveal some white gloves underneath and it was like makes you wonder how long he's been doing that but yeah his hands have been boiling for for match upon match it's no Spider-Man mask I'll tell you that (laughs) No, no. Down the pants. Why not? I mean, maybe it's white for Spurs, right? He's like revealing oh, is it a come and get his me? Spurs hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a come and get me. I'd never thought about that, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, speaking of come and get me, Aston Villa scored two goals on the red team that we hate. <laughs> Fucking Coutinho, assist and goal in his first game under Gerrard. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. I picked them up for fan track, so of course I love it. Oh, nice, um, nice. Goodness. Any thoughts on Coutinho, the emergence, the re-emergence, the fucking coming out party of Coutinho? Yeah, well, I mean, it was the perfect sort of uh, no-pressure situation to bring him in, uh, bring bring him on, because he started on the bench and uh, Gerard brought him on. I mean, it couldn't have worked out better, could it? Um, Coutinho in the in the post-match was like, you know, yeah, it was, a, it was great to come here and work and work with Stevie and, and um, Jacob Ramsey uh, was talking about how... He managed to do it in both the BBC and the Sky and possibly other post-matches as well. Say, well, I I grew up watching him at Liverpool and Barcelona and each time I think Coutinho just winced a little bit. A player saying that he grew up watching him, which is is delightful. (laughs) And, you know, nothing particularly was expected. If Man United beat Villa, it's, you know, not entirely unexpected. And they managed to pull that out of the bag. And, 
yeah, I mean, it looks like just based on this, that Coutinho is going to be a, a very good buy. I was going to say buy, but he's a loan, isn't he? But there's a there's a claw. It's a loan to buy, basically. I think I think Aston Villa have an option, so if they if they want to buy him, they can. That's what I said. I mean, I was like, you guys were like, what? Why for six months? I was like, it's clearly going to be a longer term deal. When it like, well, yeah. You know. Yeah, when it when it eventually happens, which but uh, based on just the twenty two minutes we've seen, it probably would. Um, but yeah, good good on Villa. I mean, Man United. It, it doesn't matter whether they concede and then desperately try and uh, claw their way back like the Solskjaer years, or whether they get in front and then just the sort of midfield, the defensive midfielders just crumble a little bit and just allow allow players who play for Aston Villa who you know a few years ago were in in the championship you know not being cowed by Man United at all the fear factor of Man United is completely gone and and Rangnick is doesn't seem to be the the manager that everyone thought he was well maybe he is the manager but these players just are not getting on board with it at all and it sounds like you know uh, he he must not be named has been moaning that some of the players don't don't seem up for it and it's like in such a I mean, maybe it's this is what happens when you when you appoint an interim manager, but the the players just don't seem to have got on board with with him at all, and it it just it just doesn't seem to be working at the minute. And I think Man United are in danger of sleepwalking to a fifth, sixth, seventh place, all possible. Oh, that's all generous, possible. honestly. Yeah, because you've got you've got Tottenham, Arsenal, genuinely West Ham. This uh, game we're about to talk about apart, like. Breathing down, breathing down the neck of fourth place, and it's not a given that Man United are in in that race, and it, it appears to even be the case with a new manager. So they've got to sort something out. They've got to sort it out fast. Yeah, I mean, uh, United are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninth unexpected goal difference per ninety. Um, a huge, huge drop from Brighton to them from zero point negative zero point one to negative one point three. Um, they are by five thirty eight simulated their average position is seventh um which is also terrible (laughs) like they're not they're just not good and i don't i don't fucking get their deal man because they have the players and i thought when ragnick came in uh, so it turns out after the fact that he hasn't been a manager very much in a long time and he's a better sort of football director director of football and a mentor to other coaches than a coach himself yeah maybe um it seems like at least that's what smarter people than me have been saying in, on podcasts and on Twitter and stuff. Um, but like, I really thought that someone would be able to come in. And I, I, for the record, I don't think that this like exonerates Ole on any level and is like, oh, Ole's not a bad manager. Ole was shit. Yep, agreed. <laughs> um, but this is a harder problem to solve than maybe we thought. They have the players, but they also have a lot of like backroom issues for the for it to be leaking already. Like a month into this guy's tenure, that the clubhouse is not happy with him, and obviously he who shall not be named is like the ringleader in that and leaking those fucking stories. Because I guess he's been asked to do so many things he doesn't want it. Like, what's his fucking problem anyway? Whatever. <laughs> Fuck that guy. I don't want to talk about him. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know what happens with United. I they're they should be better. They should just be better, and they're not. And I don't understand it. Um, but long may it continue. Because fuck them. So. I don't know. That's the extent of my takes on United. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. They got they they play uh, Brentford on Wednesday, and then West Ham on Saturday, which looks like a big match now. Absolutely, absolutely. the The five thirty eight projections have West Ham at eleven percent and Man United at ten percent. So, winner of that is basically like last one in the. This was like how you know this one lost knocked Chelsea out of the title race <laughs> from their two percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that has, that'll have major implications. Those numbers do swing around a lot, but when they're 11 and 10, like that's going to be huge. Although Arsenal and Tottenham are much favored over both of them, 41% and 34%. That North London Derby would have been a massive swinger. Yeah. Let's move on though to West Ham because we just brought them up. So West Ham 2 leads 3, West Ham 2.0 to leads 2.3. So pretty, uh, pretty even on the expected there. West Ham, as I just mentioned, are 11% for top four, uh, and they are above Arsenal on expected goal difference per 90, but Arsenal are projecting much higher on the models because of their recent form, whereas West Ham have been kind of up and down all season. This loss against Leeds, a very bad Leeds team, following three wins against Watford, Palace, and Norwich, so, you know, wins that you would expect, but then a loss to Southampton before that. So, like, they're kind of all over the map. 
um, which I think will ultimately be their downfall probably. Uh, do you have any specific takes on West Ham Leeds? It's a fun game. It was enjoyable to watch. Exactly the sort of game, you know, feels like a classic Premier League game that you can have uh, a team pushing for fourth, a team struggling um, seemingly before this in a relegation battle. Uh, not really, but you know. And um, yeah, great fun. Great fun to watch. And Jack Harrison with an uh, amazing hat-trick. Um, really like... NYCFC's own. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, so... Um, you know, great, to, great to watch. I think him and him and Rafina played uh, brilliantly again. West Ham, you know, Antonio's still uh, involved in play, but he's not seemingly finishing the same uh, the same way he started the season, where uh, every shot he touched went in the back of the net, and that doesn't seem to be the case now. But Bowen is that not sustainable? It's <laughs> funny that yeah. Uh, I'm just happy he's not been injured yet because he's another one who's in my fantasy team. Um, um, Bowen's been picking up a lot of that slack. Um, It was an interesting decision at the uh, dying minutes of the game to uh, try and shoulder that uh, ball in instead of just head it, uh, which would have given West Ham the draw. uh, Did you see that? The the ball that went in and... uh, Bowen seemed to genuinely make a conscious decision that I'm going to chest or shoulder this ball in rather than just head it. And mm-hmm. I, I I think Moyes might have chewed him out about that one when it came to it because that would have rescued a, a, a point there. And uh, yeah, but I mean, it was a, it was a fun game, but I, I, I think it epitomises what you say about West Ham and what might eventually lead to them uh, qualifying for the lower European competitions and, and not the Champions League. And that that is what we always expect, I suppose, isn't it? Um, quality will out eventually. Um, and there you go. So I think I think while West Ham do this, well, so that's they've been on the end of a 3-2 here. They won a 3-2 against Palace. They're scoring a lot. They're conceding a lot. You know? yep. <laughs> and that's going to, that might ultimately be, be the end for them. Um, Bielsa ball coming good. I mean, it was. I mean, the, the amount nah, of broken clock. Dude. Broken clock. <laughs> you reckon? I mean, the yeah. amount of injuries they've had is absolutely insane. Uh, but Bielsa yeah. just ignores that, doesn't ask for postponements, and nope. puts the you know puts team puts his team out in the same system, just slots different players into them, teenagers, whatever you know, just chuck them out. Just get out They'll there. They'll be and fine. Run. <laughs> um, and it'll be interesting to see how we, how this carries on. Uh, as we've always expected, uh, be able to ball to eventually uh, make them make them struggle. But um, it was it was a fun Premier League game, beautiful Premier League game. I mean, that's it. You said everything, so <laughs> I have no nothing to add there. Um, I look while you were talking. I looked up Antonio's stats. He's actually overperforming by zero point three of a goal, but his xG is seven point seven. His goals are eight. So most of that would have been in the early part of the season. But yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. <laughs> the one that I was watching at this time was Liverpool three. Brentford 0, Liverpool 3.1 to Brentford 0.5. The battle of the analytics departments here going decidedly to the one with the 10 times its own size budget. Um, <laughs> so you can you know. moneyball the moneyball of this uh, of this fixture. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. When you're moneyballing but your budget is infinite, <laughs> yeah. you know, is it still moneyball or is it just ball? <laughs> yeah. yeah, money times money uh, Liverpool ball. were better here despite Mane and Salah not being around. They still were much the better team. Um, I switched it off at halftime because I was like, I don't need to watch Liverpool <laughs> continue to smash Brentford. This is how, you know, they were only up 1-0 at halftime, but like you could tell where it was going. Um, <laughs> I understand that. And then yeah. it went there. I mean, Mina Mino scored. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's where they're at. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They're getting goals from everyone. Yeah, indeed. I mean, yeah, it, it keeps the incredibly vague hope alive. There is no hope. But nah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, come on. I know I'm being ridiculous because I just don't want to be talking about Man City's march for the next four months, that's all. But yeah, it is done. I know it's done. Functional, decent performance from, from Liverpool against a team that, while uh, overperforming maybe their fan base, uh, infrastructure, whatever, uh, are doing great this season. But ultimately, quality will out and and it did. You know, you, like you say, you've got... Um, uh, Oxlade Chamberlain scoring, Minamino scoring, you know, is it? Because these are players that would probably slot straight into a Brentford a Brentford first eleven, and they're 
Liverpool squad players. Yeah, um, and don't get me wrong, like, Ox is really, really good. Minamino, I don't know as well, although every time he's on the pitch, he seems to score. I just, I know his name from fantasy and, like, yeah. his goals per minute was probably through the roof. But Ox is a really good player. Like, he would be the best creative player on, on a lot, of, uh, teams, a lot yeah. of teams. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Brentford falling off uh, significantly. They continue to plummet down the expected goal difference table. They're now below United. That's how bad they've gotten. <laughs> Um, oh, wow. That's a negative yardstick. 0.14 to negative 0.13 unexpected goal difference per 90. So pretty much as bad as United all season, which is, you know, yeah. not good. Um, and Liverpool still the second best. One point, plus 1. 1.5 expected goal difference per 90. Unfucking believable Being above one, it being even flirting with one. Like Chelsea at plus 0. 0.82 is really, really, really good. Um, City and Liverpool at plus 0. 0.16 and plus point. Plus 1.5 are fucking insane. But it doesn't matter. 12%. That's the only number that matters. <laughs> that is. And that is uh, Liverpool's remaining dangling thread of a chance at the title. Uh, if you are a Liverpool fan, which this goes out to my friend and new Premier League convert, Nick, uh, who I've brought up a few times, just give up on the title race, dude. Like, you're just gonna, uh. you're just gonna be sad and frustrated <laughs> if you continue to. Just give in and like be numb the way I am with Chelsea. It just is nothing. No, We're in the dead zone. No, of Nick. nothing. Uh, keep the dream alive, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you're listening, but these these things do sometimes change. Uh, you know, Leicester were struggling against relegation, and they they managed to save themselves. And next year they won the title. Liverpool can still win it. I don't believe my own words, but I want to keep Nick. <laughs> I want to keep Nick. Magic is real. Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. Other things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I could believe. I really do. Just, just for fun. I know. You know. I don't. I don't. I don't dislike Man City. They're always incredibly impressive to watch. You know, and Pep does Pep things, and it's great. But it's just depressing when you're a neutral and it's January, and you're like, yeah, it's done. It's done. I know. I know. I'm with you. Um, although, as I've said multiple times over the last few years, I will absolutely take another City title over Liverpool any day of the week and twice at the end of the season. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't know. Who goes further in the Champions League? How about that? Let's let's end on that question. Liverpool or City or Chelsea? Who goes the furthest in the Champions League of those three? Oh, that's a good... The problem is, year upon year, I would say City, uh, just to be on the right side of numbers and, and who I think is genuinely the better team. And, you know, Pep does Pep stuff in the Champions League specifically. Yes. I, you know, he really does... Pep it up in the Champions League. Yeah, too much so. Like, uh, consist even smart, good football writers like Grace have like done breakdowns of like, what the fuck is wrong with Pep in the knockout <laughs> stages of the Champions League? Why does he get in his own way so badly? Yeah, that's like genuinely a thing. That's not like narrative. Yeah, like that really is a I thing. I don't know why it happens. I don't know why he can happily play relatively normal systems and normal player positions <laughs> against <laughs> against you know, yeah <laughs> against Chelsea Liverpool week in week out and then he comes up against like I don't know PSG in the in the Champions League and he'll just do something mad that is and you know it's mad when it's questioned before the game starts it's not like it's not done retrospectively and I've watched numerous Man City Champions League games where commentators are like well this seems weird playing this player in this position or whatever and then it unravels and you're like yeah why why overcomplicate it but I will go Man City I, I, I do nearly every year say this will be their year so I don't know why I should uh, go against that tradition um, and I think they're going to have the league sewn up in so much good time that they can genuinely concentrate on it they can rest players in the Premier League uh, when it gets to you know later on and prioritise Champions League in a big way so Pep stuff aside, I think it's I think it's probably Man City's year. Fair enough, fair enough. Chelsea are going to double um, <laughs> defend the title, so you heard it here first. Because uh, Liverpool will be distracted trying to catch City. Chelsea are in that dead zone where they equally can do whatever they want in the league and nothing matters. That's and, true, actually. Yeah, that is true. So, Chelsea for the... Oh, a Chelsea City final again. That would be nice. Oh, that would be great. That would be, be nice. I need a third star on my tattoo. Chelsea need to win the Champions League at least one more time before I die. Odd numbers are much better than even. I don't like having two stars on my arm. Did you did you put them in a configuration like that, that I don't know, one was on the left and one was in the middle ready for another one? Or did you uh, just... I, they, so they are going down the side of oh, the, okay, right. of the okay. lion and there is two that are yeah. two-thirds of the way down. So there is very much room for Space exactly for a, a third star on the left. 
and then three stars on the right, two stars across the bottom, and as many as we want across the top. By the time I die, I want to just be riddled a in stars. Constellation yeah. of Champions League victories. Yeah. Absolutely. Fair enough. Right. Well, that was fun, mate. But I think we should call it a day now. Um, I don't. Is it? Oh, it's not worth going through the fixtures. There's a couple still to go this week, and uh, we're Chelsea not- have a double. They're about to play again, right? Yeah, yeah, Man United play again as well, so uh, we won't go through fixtures, and also I never do it as well as Chuck anyway, so so what's the point? Um, so we'll, we'll call it there. And uh, we'll thank our producers, and I'll pull up the list of the producers that Chuck always has ready. Andy Penn, Jeff Pedder, Johnny Worthington, Mark Daffin, Nate Whitteman, Sam Danby. You can get on us at patreon.com slash marsoffsidepod. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Oscar. Thank you very much, and see you next week. You shall not pass! (laughs) (laughs) Or repel women.